This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that didn't think Red Foreman could get any more terrifying. Here we are. <laughs> well, I mean, at some point he has to be able to raise a, a venom, right? <laughs> I guess so. Is that the universe you want to be a part of right now? Is that Topher Grace living in the basement, Eric Foreman, Yep, grows up to become a venom? Yeah, and it's because he was raised by Red Foreman, a.k.a. Clarence Boddicker. How amazing would it have been if you got that stupid scene at the end of Spider-Man 3? <laughs> Venom and Spider-Man are just doing that talking thing that they do because they don't really fight in that movie at all. They just talk at each other. Right. Just out of nowhere, Venom goes, no, you listen, you dumbass. Dumbass. <laughs> uh, that'd be the best thing ever in cinema history. Everyone forgets about Dancing Spider-Man. Exactly. Everyone on the spot. They're just like... <laughs> That's the one where he calls him a dumbass, right? Classic. <laughs> uh, it's canon. That 70s show is Spider-Man canon. You know what? I'm fully signed up for that, if that's the case. <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm on board. It's all part of the multiverse. And you get your superpowers by falling off of the water tower. Oh, of course. That's like the dream right there, then. Yeah. <laughs> we should sit in a circle and talk about it. I love it so much. But first... Today, we are talking about the 1987 film RoboCop, directed by Paul fucking Verhoeven. Hell yes. It occurred to me throughout this week leading up to watching this movie, I said, I've totally seen RoboCop before. Yeah. And then trying to think back on the movie, it then occurred to me, I have never seen <laughs> RoboCop before. <laughs> That's amazing. It seems like one of those movies that you feel like you've seen, but no, I hadn't seen it either. And now I'm so happy I have. Oh, absolutely. Because all the asses in the world are now officially kicked. Yeah, the 80s makes so much more sense to me now. <laughs> That's very fair. Uh, corporate security, we're going to build a robot cyborg, man. Why? I don't know either, but let's go on this journey and find out. Because it's the future and the economy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that's been a good episode. We'll see you guys next week for Brian's birthday. Yeah, I think we just put a good cap on the whole movie right there, huh? You just want to get into this thing? There's so much to talk about with this one. Let's do it. Let's get into Criterion Collection spine number 23, RoboCop. It's in front of, is it both of the Michael Bay Criterion movies? I'm pretty sure it is. It is. Fantastic. Suck it, Michael Bay. Take that. We start off with... The news in the future, but a late 80s version of the future, so it's still low def. <laughs> it's very low def, yes. But also, you can get a brand new heart from Jensen or Yamaha, you know, big 80s brands. Of course, we talk about Jensen constantly still. Oh, Jensen products are my favorite. I get that jingle stuck in my head all the time for this bit. Yeah, me too. You should <laughs> sing it right now. Uh, Jensen, the best products. Nailed it. Love it. Challenge me again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
We'll get there? I don't know. Will we? I have no idea. But right. Now that I know you're up for it, probably. Oh, no. That's a bad start. All right. So there's this guy, Clarence Boddicker. Kurtwood fucking Smith. It's Red Foreman. It is. In all of his Red Foreman glory, even in the 80s, he still looked like Red Foreman. He was very much balding. He eventually went fully bald, and we call that that 70s show. That is what we call it. Damn it, is he unbelievable in this movie. He's so good. He's wanted for killing like 30 Detroit cops, which seems like, you know, he's, he must be the bad guy. Sure. The Detroit Metropolitan Police Department blame Omni Consumer Products, which is the corporate entity that now runs and manages the department. You see the issue we have already here? Corporate America's running our police. This is ridiculous. How dare they? Surely there's going to be corruption down the road. Oh, and militarization and all sorts of stuff. Makes me sick. I don't want to be a part of the future in Detroit, even though it's Dallas. Clearly Dallas. <laughs> Watch this movie. Like, right away, they show the police headquarters. I go, that's Dallas City Hall. They are not <laughs> fooling anybody here. <laughs> but we had that nice establishing shot. <laughs> we said it was Detroit. Why does anyone believe us? In the future, Detroit looks a lot like Dallas. It fucking wishes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the whole Dallas-Detroit thing is a lot like a Team America, like pussies and asshole speech. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of where it falls, because you do have one that's the great white north of Detroit, and then you have one which is the mostly south, but it's like far north Texas. There's still a lot below it to right. get to that border of Dallas. But it makes me think, what's the pussy, what's the asshole? And what's the dick? That's a great question. Based on modern knowledge, I'd probably suggest that Detroit is the asshole. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> so Dallas is a pussy. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> Which means clearly the dick must be Omaha. Why? Just because it's like in between them? Yeah, it's got to be close, right? I don't, no. I don't know. Oh, because just has that's to be... the whole issue is that right. assholes and pussies both get fucked by dicks. And a pussy's only about like an inch and a half away from being an asshole. Oh, well, in that case, the dick can't even be in America. <laughs> all right, China's the dick. I think we can all agree. <laughs> all right, China's perfect. the dick. <laughs> not a political podcast. Not a political. And it's not like we're getting a lot of play over there anyway. That's right. <laughs> now we won't even be listed. They're going to blacklist us, or red list. I don't know what they do over there, but they're going to do it. They're going to oh put boy, us on our, a list. Our popularity is going to explode. People are like, wow, this thing's like the interview with Seth Rogen and James Franco. <laughs> These guys are edgy. I can't wait for like Joe Biden to call us up and be like, hey, 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 no more RoboCop for you boys. <laughs> it hurts our diplomacy. Stop it. And we go, sorry, Grandpa. We're all hopped up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> We're just... Calls it like we sees it, Big That's Joe. Right. Sorry. <laughs> At the Metro West Precinct in Old Detroit, Officer Alex Murphy arrives. It's Peter fucking Buckaroo Bonsai Weller. He's back. I'm so happy. He's just been transferred there from Metro South. So, you know, still a Detroit cop, but now in a way worse area, apparently. I guess so. The city's so large that that's what they you say. just change precincts and they're like, oh, oh welcome to hell. Oh, so, so you had a cushy over there in the West. That's right. So now you're in the asshole of Detroit, where before <laughs> you were like in the, where, the belly button? I'm losing track. 
geographically of this bit. Yeah, anatomically, and trying to figure it out because it's already upside down. <laughs> sure. Sergeant Reed gets Murphy a set of ride armor and introduces him to the other cops. I love how when he walks in there right away, it's not even like he gets a big introduction. The chief just points him down the hall and says, go grab your armor. Like, that's not great. That's yeah, not what you want from a new job. Welcome. There's your shit. Let's go. The other cops are not very happy about how OCP has been trying to run the police force into the ground. And they're like, hey, we should go on strike. And the sergeant's like, you guys are cops. Yeah, he says, you're not allowed to just go on strike, even though they clearly say there's a union to them. So they kind of can. So they, I mean, that's the way that works, isn't it? But this chief is just like, no, you don't go on strike. And all the cops are like, all right. Oh, yeah. Want to go die now, I guess. You're right, Sarge. You stay here in your your castle office where you don't ever go on the dangerous streets of wherever we are in Dallas, Detroit. (laughs) Your cushy desk job. It's easy for you to make that kind of claim, you jerk. We're out there in the asshole of things. (laughs) Murphy then meets his new partner, Ann Lewis, played by Nancy fucking Allen. She's very good in this. She is. I don't know. Big fan what else I've seen her in, but she nope. looks familiar. She does. She has one of those faces, but does not have one of those hairs because Paul Verhoeven made her cut the hair because he didn't want her to be sexualized in this thing because that's not what this story is about. Exactly. And I love that. It's a solid move after he tried to have them rewrite the script to in- include a sex scene between the two of them. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, that doesn't work. In fact, cut her hair. <laughs> So Murphy and Lewis leave to go on patrol, and Murphy's like, ah, I'm going to drive. And she's like, you don't know this part of the city. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. It's like the They're treating this thing so like it's away. Berlin, like you can't go past a certain point. I mean, it's the future of Detroit. Who knows? Who knows? That's a good point. Meanwhile, at OCP headquarters, the president of OCP, known only as The Old Man, played by Daniel O'Hurley, reminds his executive board of his vision of demolishing old Detroit and redeveloping it as a high-end utopia called Delta City. Seems like a pretty solid plan. Yeah, he wants to turn Detroit into a, into a Delta variant. Right. <laughs> the problem with old Detroit is that it's riddled with crime. See, unrealistic movie. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Said crimes of old Detroit need to be eradicated before they can build Delta City. So they need a solution. Enter Senior Vice President Richard Jones, Ronnie fucking Cox. I love that you're giving everybody middle names. Everybody. Everybody deserves it. He's funded the development of a new type of law enforcement robot, the Ed 209. This thing is awesome. It is. It looks a lot like a Star Wars, like chicken walker type thing, but it's much lower than uh, the it ATS be indoors. Yep. Yeah. And it can like walk through doors and stuff like that, but it's still enormous and still has all the guns. And is so stop animated. Oh, without a doubt it is. And I love it. It's very cool if you watch any of the making of of this movie, how they did it, how it's a lot of force perspective, but it's also a lot of rear screen projection. And they just use the stop animation to make it work. And oh boy, does it. It absolutely does. It lands so well. It does. And this movie wouldn't work anywhere outside of the 80s, as we learned in 2014. (laughs) The effects here are so okay that it just lands so perfectly. Love the way you put that. So okay. They're not bad. They're not bad. And almost everything is practical, which I love. I'm a big fan of that. And 
man, we've said it a lot of times, but putting those creative restraints on people really make things shine because you absolutely have to, you have to go to extra lengths to make things work. You have to care exactly to demonstrate the droid's effectiveness. Jones asks a fellow board member to volunteer as a test subject to simulate a typical arrest and disarming procedure. Jones hands the executive a desert eagle and says, hey, why don't you use that in a threatening manner? I like how he just casually points it, but he also takes the time to load the gun before he hands it over to him. Yeah. Which, corporate America, don't do that. The future, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We live in an asshole. (laughs) That's a good point, actually. He hands over this loaded deagle to this guy, and he says, go point it at him. And he goes, okie dokie. And then the droid immediately turns on and aims its machine guns at the executive and says, hey, you have 20 seconds to drop that. So obviously the guy's like, all right, and he drops it immediately. And then- Well, I love how casual Dick Jones is about this thing. He's like, well, you better listen to him. Like, uh, still part of the presentation. Right. If I were you, I'd listen to him. So he drops the gun. And I love- this beat of just quiet, like he dropped the gun. Cool. On with the presentation. And then the Ed 209's like, you now have 15 seconds to comply. And I love what, how like that panic sets right in. Immediately. And how you see the guys who are like at the operating board of this thing are opening it up like, oh shit, not good, not good, not good. <laughs> we need to disarm this thing immediately. So they try to shut it off. But when he reaches the zero on the countdown, he declares that he's authorized to use physical force and opens fire shooting the executive for 15 solid seconds. It is absolutely amazing. And it's like, oh, hey, this movie's rated R, isn't it? Pretty heavy R, too, I'd say. Yeah. uh, this man gets lit. I think they had to submit it to the MPAA 17 times to get uh, downgraded from an X rating. Good for them. Worth all 17 of them. Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Already, huh? Already. We were having such a good time. The first film in the RoboCop franchise to be rated R. The second film to be rated R is RoboCop 2. I I see a theme there that they started to develop. (laughs) Oh, man. It's just a rated R franchise. (laughs) That's all it is. I love that fact. I don't know why. (laughs) What's that even? Like, that's that's silly. (laughs) RoboCop is the first RoboCop to be rated R. RoboCop 2 is the second (laughs) RoboCop to be rated R. I could just see, like... That little nerd in his face. Mom, guess what I figured out? <laughs> You're not going to believe this. I've uncovered something. I'm going to go back and get my GED now. I'm a human genius. <laughs> human genius. Uh, the old man is not happy. Mostly because of the financial setback and not so much because of the murder. I like how it's a little bit blurred until it's not at all. Exactly. He's like, ah. <laughs> He's acting like. I can't believe another one of our executives got got by a robot. <laughs> I know one's too many, but come on. It's, he's more upset like, hey, this thing was supposed to patrol the streets and clean up Detroit so we could build our utopia. And now we're going to have to <laughs> wait and it's going to cost us more money. Not a good dude? <laughs> Probably not a good dude. Junior executive Bob Morton, played by Miguel fucking Ferrer. <laughs> he's so good in this too takes advantage of the opportunity to tell the old man about his own project, RoboCop. I like how he has this dead guy like behind him in the room for the most part. And he's like, this is the perfect time to pitch. <laughs> oh, this is my time to shine. 
I don't know why they don't do this on like Shark Tank more often. <laughs> like the kids who come out with like their swim pads or boogie boards and shit like that, that just, oh, you can use it on land. And the kid dies because he like does a total yard sale trying to show off <laughs> total yard sale. to Mark Cuban. And the next guy should just come on out there. Exactly. And he's like, I got fireworks that you can light off inside. And everyone's like, sweet. <laughs> First of all, did you just come up with that? Because it's brilliant. <laughs> I did. And I regret it because don't try that at home. <laughs> don't try that at home. But also, we need to invest. <laughs> but also, we need to run tests for sure. Definitely. Product development first. Right. Uh, go ch- Just keep checking the Super Stuff store. For some indoor fireworks but coming it soon. Might, it might be there. It might not. I, I don't know where we are with R&D yet. <laughs> you might also see us on Shark Tank after some kids take after a header. Kid <laughs> we take advantage of that. I like that Bob Morton's like, oh man, I didn't really prepare an elevator speech, but I did prepare a boardroom murder speech. So <laughs> right. luckily for me, this is going to pan out. That's the sign of a true executive ready for all situations. Exactly. Morton tells the old man that he hopes to have the first Robocop in prototype in the next 90 days. And he's already had the police force restructured so that the best candidates for the project are in high-risk areas. <laughs> sure. Ah, uh, corporate America, I love you. And I love how he says, like, yeah, we're just waiting for a volunteer. And you're just like, all right, that seems innocent enough, I guess. Sure. You're going to let somebody step up on their own accord. Seems responsible. <laughs> exactly. Good, good for you. It seems all right, but clearly I have not figured out the tone of this movie yet. <laughs> the old man gives Morton the green light, and Jones is not happy about it. No, he's pissed, in fact. Meanwhile, officers Lewis and Murphy are out on patrol, and they stop for coffee. Murphy is relaxing by spinning his pistol on his fingers, which he explains to Lewis is a move he picked up from a television show to impress his son. I like how he practices with a loaded gun. Yeah, how about that? You could tell it's Detroit 1980s. <laughs> Starting to really figure out the tone of this movie. <laughs> everything's always loaded (laughs) everything is constantly ready to explode and blow somebody up they get interrupted by a radio call about a pharmaceutical company being robbed by a group of men driving a silver panel truck so murphy and lewis jump into the car and drive to track them down in the back of said panel truck are clarence boddicker aka red foreman and his gang leon nash ray fucking wise i couldn't believe that one tell you the truth joe cox uh steve min and I have already forgotten how to say this. Emil? You can do it. Emil? Uh, I would go with Emil, Emil. Antonowski. It's Emil. I got it. Emil Antonowski. It's uh, Paul fucking McCrane. Sure. Who is a guy who might be in other movies. I don't know. But in this one, he made facial hair choices. He did. I feel like they were hoping, like, maybe this will catch on from this movie. People will start doing. God, it didn't. Spiky mutton chops. <laughs> from the guy who sort of looks like flea a little bit yeah just a tiny bit like if somebody tried to draw flea from memory i feel like that's what this guy looks like crushed it and there's also a guy who's just named bobby who's probably going to be fun <laughs> yep not expendable at all <laughs> he doesn't have a last name so uh, who knows they've just successfully robbed the pharmaceutical company and emptied the stores safe of money but red is pissed because it turns out Bobby burned all the money when he blew open the door's vault. Yeah, silly move. So now all the money is very easily identifiable, and they're not going to be able to, you know, turn it over. Launder it, <laughs> if you will. Sure. Their argument doesn't last long, because Emil spots the 5-0 behind him. The one-hole car. 
Yep, the the of one Lewis and Murphy. Black Ford Taurus. <laughs> Murphy radios for help and they're like, "Yeah, you don't have backup available. We live in an asshole." <laughs> we have a corporate controlled entity here and we don't have backup available. We're trying to get volunteers for this new program. Right. So just steer clear of the cop killers or else it's going to be really uncomfortable because then whoever you are calling for backup is not going to be able to have backup because you're going to be dead because of cop killers that's running on the loose. Exactly. So just steer clear of him. We know exactly who it is, but we're not going to try to apprehend him until right now. Don't bring up the Green Bay Packers if he gets excited. That's how you know it's him. <laughs> on red signal. Bobby kicks open the back doors, and the gang members all open fire on the cop car, and Murphy fires back. Right, and the cars are only like 15 feet apart, but these bad guys, they land almost no shots nope. on this car. Pretty bad at it, in fact. I feel like the first window to go is like one of the back windows, too. How do you even do that? I don't know. These guys should have be been like, wanted. Well, I mean, it was shot in Dallas, so you do have curving bullets in Dallas, especially in like Dealey Plaza. <laughs> right. So maybe they're just like, <laughs> I'm going to drop this historical little tidbit here. I don't know when Oliver Stone made the movie JFK, but you're welcome for that you free publicity. A couple couple layers deep to get to this fact. but Right. Kevin Costner's <laughs> crazy theory about the bullet bending in the JFK's brain area. It's living rent free here in this movie in RoboCop. Angelina Jolie was actually the one to fire it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bobby gets hit in the leg because apparently Murphy's a much better shot than the guys in the back of the van. So Red orders the other gang members to throw him onto the police car. I love that so much. Hey, Bobby, can you fly? It's amazing because when he says that, you're like, they're totally going to throw him out of the car out of the police car. And then they do. And it's still amazing. It's still great. Crushes the windshield and Red and his gang get away while Lewis and Murphy let Bobby roll off the car and then, you know, chase down the other bad guys. They just guys. carry on again. Yes. Which weirdly is very on par for how RoboCop is going to treat his victims as well. So <laughs> yep. this works. Maybe it's just how Murphy handles the law. He just goes, you are fucked, and then just drives off. <laughs> if backup ever arrives, they'll probably take care of you. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> they track the truck down to an abandoned steel mill where they split up and search for Red and his men. You know, classic move, split up. I love how you're just calling him Red at this point. Like you've just abandoned his name of Clarence Boddicker. Oh, you know, Because Red. it just makes more sense. He's Red Foreman. You're absolutely right. Painting a mental picture. Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> so while they're split up, Lewis stumbles upon Joe Cox, who is just pissing. He is taking a piss. Cox is not just a clever name. <laughs> but I like how she says, put your hands up. And he does. Yep. Law abiding at that point. And he turns around. He turns around. around and his cox is still hanging out. <laughs> it's Joe Cox. And I like how you have Lewis just staring him in the eyes. And he goes, go ahead, take a look. And they just focus on her eyes. And you go, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You cut your hair so you wouldn't be sexualized in this movie. I like how he, he act, what he says is, can I at least zip it up? That's very gentlemanly of this hardcore criminal. And, and then she... She takes a glance. And that's all it took. Yep, he knocks her out. She falls from the catwalk. It's not a good thing. Doesn't she, like, fall in just a bunch of boxes, though? Yeah, well, that's why she didn't die. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> She's just knocked unconscious <laughs> because cardboard. It'll get you. It's corrugated. <laughs> 
for extra landing cushion. <laughs> right. Murphy finds Emil and the and another thug who's, you know, not named, so surely he's gonna be okay too. They're watching It's Not My Problem, which is a show that will come back several times throughout it the sure course will. of this movie. Oh boy. It's pretty much an Americanized Benny Hill, is the way that I read how they wanted this character to be. Yeah. Of just He's going to be laughing. He's going to be doing something on screen. It's going to make everyone else laugh. And then catchphrase. And then catchphrase. I'd buy that for a dollar. What a catchphrase. So good. I just love how the camera zooms in so far onto this guy's face as he says it too. Amazing. What a choice. And the mustache on the guy is just chef's kiss. Oh, legendary. The guy that's not Emil tries to grab a shotgun. Then Murphy kills him. Just immediately just shoots him. Sure. So now that other guy is gone. It's just Emil and Murphy. So Emil has to surrender because Murphy's like, dead or alive, you're coming with me. Good enough, I guess, even though we're both equally armed. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> but as Murphy's about to put the handcuffs on him, Steve and Leon, two of the other, you know, thugs, they show up and they have guns. Oh, wow. Outnumbered. You know, everybody knows once you're outnumbered, uh, other guy gets your gun. Sure. So That's now the rules. Emil has a gun. All three of them have guns. Murphy's got no gun. It's not looking good for Murphy anymore. No, but he's the hero. He's going to be all right. He's going to be just fine. Then, of course, Red shows up, and he knocks Murphy onto the ground. And then Cox walks in, and he's talking about how he just took care of Lewis. It's just looking real grim. Red starts aiming his shotgun at Murphy and doing the classic tracking system bleeps and bloops. You know, the doop, 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 doop. I like how he's just playing with him. And he's doing it. For his crew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're loving it. he does constantly, too. Cox has a very unique laugh. It's high-pitched and annoying, and oh, boy. (laughs) Acting. Yep. Sometimes you shouldn't give the spotlight to some people. But this is actually the 80s, so it's okay. They want you to be unique and out there. And oh, boy, is he. And then Red shoots off Murphy's hand. Yeah, it's cleanly shot off, and we know that because we see it. We see it. Pop off and blood and, and all and of it. And it is jarring. Extremely. And then Red says, all right, he's all yours, boys. Which is insane because he treats like his gang like they're a pack of dogs almost. Like, yeah. all right, I got mine. Now you go get yours. And he goes and sits in the corner and just watches. <laughs> and then Emil shoots off Murphy's entire arm. Yeah, that's probably not great. And then the rest of them all empty their shotguns into him. Just riddling his torso with bullets while Lewis watches because she's finally coming to. This doesn't take only like a few seconds either. No, this, this lasts is like a long time. Really, really drawn out. There's no way that these guns had this many bullets in them. And I think that's the beauty of it. I think that's like the plot of the movie is all of the guns have more bullets than they should. It's all the future. <laughs> but he gets absolutely destroyed. Lit up. But of course... He's still alive. But he's fine. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> and I, Lewis has come to, and she's like behind some chain link fence. She can't get to them, but she can see everything happening. Yeah. Chain link fence, one of the best hiding places you ever can get. It's true. No one's going to see you. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Oh, Everybody's going oh, to right. see you. It's the opposite of that, because the links of the, the chain. The links, they, uh, they're can, just giant openings, really. see through the holes. Right. Where it's not linked. With chain. Chain link fence famously is just full of footholds, too, for you to scale and climb over. That's true. It's the least effective fence. Help your partner. 
for who you care so much about privacy purposes and for keeping people out of things. Yeah, no, it's not great. It's the worst things. <laughs> you know, we don't take many claims to heart over here. We don't usually put our foot down and say, nope, this is how it is. But chain link, worst fence. It's arguably, inarguably, <laughs> sorry. I heard what I said. The worst fence by a long shot. If you have a chain link fence, you need to rethink your priorities in life. Yeah. Who are you trying to keep safe? Who are you trying to impress? <laughs> uh, I'll show them all. I'll get a big old <laughs> chain link fence around my property. I'm over that thing. One hop. Done. Useless. It'll probably take me two, but. You got to get the foot up there. Yeah. On the top, because yeah. we're adults. We don't need to go through that stupid foothold stuff anymore. We don't have to. <laughs> my feet are too big now. That's right. I've outgrown the stupid f- holes in the fence. And you know what? At the same time, go right under that bad boy if you want to. It's just going to bend right up. That's true. It's very bendy. They are, they are terrible. And they only ever put the barbed wire on the top of them like idiots. Fucking morons. Why don't you just use barbed wire? Make a barbed wire fence. <laughs> keep it rolling. <laughs> Absolute idiots. So because the rest of the gang has used all of their ammo, maybe, Red gets back up. He's like, all right, we've had our playtime, but now this has to end. So he shoots Murphy in the face. And surely that's the end of Murphy. You would think so. (laughs) But it's not. This guy, (laughs) definitely dead. So Red and his crew leave. And then Lewis finally figures out how to work a chain link fence and gets over to Murphy's (laughs) body. Not a very strong female character if you can't figure out a chain link <laughs> fence. <laughs> but she gets over to him and she's like, oh no. And she waits like, I don't know, 10 minutes to call for help. <laughs> <laughs> After dramatically holding him there, trying to catch her breath, presumably from trying to go around this chain link <laughs> fence. Through it. Dumb I don't know. <laughs> And then Murphy is rushed to a, a nearby hospital and dies because obviously he does. He got because shot he got so much. all the bullets in him in every possible place. But he is alive on that table. He is, and he's. We got like the first person view as he's looking up at this doctor who's very calmly trying to fix the situation. He's running that room. Yeah, but he has that like tone in his voice of like, "It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we could put a clown nose on this fucking guy. He's gonna be dead real soon. <laughs> Do you see the holes in him?" Why are we trying so hard on this guy? He's practically, he's full, he's 90% bullet at this point. What are we doing <laughs> right. here? The normal human body has seven holes. <laughs> Look how many holes this guy has in oh, it. Oh, man. We live in Detroit, so I'm starting at nine I'm holes. not even a real doctor. They, actually, he was. They cast a real doctor for this role. The, the trauma team was a real trauma team, which is how they, they got it so accurate. Did they know? <laughs> That's what they said. They're like, we never could have scripted a scene that good of them doing their thing on the on the patient. Just go sit in a Detroit operating room for five minutes. You're going to see this scene play out and just have a tape recorder. That's it. Instead, they opted to hire actual doctors. They t- okay. took them away from a real hospital for a day <laughs> to try to save a not really dying man who was already a hopeless case. <laughs> It's incredible, though, because I like when he's lying there. You do get that feeling of like your life flashes before your eyes because you get to see his family, his wife, and his kid, and his street as it pulls back. So you know he's dying when you kind of get that tunnel vision. And then they just call it. 
And I like how he's even just lying there. Like, his screen goes all black, and the doctor calls his death. Yeah. And it stays black for a, a while. For so long. And then we get several first-person shots of Bob Morton and his staff working on some kind of project. What could it be? I have no idea. Surely it isn't the title of this movie. (laughs) It's a silver surfer. Some kind of hot tub time machine. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, it was harder to figure out uh, what they were creating than it is to, you know, scale a chain link fence. Fast forward to a whole bunch of scientists and engineers show up at Murphy's old precinct. Sergeant Reed is dealing with a repeat offender, and they start wheeling in all this equipment, and he's like, hey, hey, what are you guys doing? And then there's these weird-sounding footsteps, and behind a pane of frosted glass, we see RoboCop. The thing on all the posters that they're still (laughs) hiding. That. (laughs) You don't know what this is yet. (laughs) It's going to be real cool when you see it for the first time right now. Oh, he's more silver than I thought. Huh. (laughs) The lighting on the poster made him look more blue. <laughs> Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. Two. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I have to imagine there were a shitload for this movie. Okay. I feel like I've recently complained about a movie that had a lot. This by far had the most I've ever seen. You keep saying that. No, but this one almost had 300 IMDb oh trivia Oh, my facts. God. You know what? You started off in such a good spot because, as we've all learned, this is the first RoboCop movie to receive a rated R rating. That's right. So now I'm very curious to see what magic you pull here. The company that makes RoboCop is named OCP, which is the word cop rearranged. Uh-huh. Walked right into that one. Sure did. <laughs> RoboCop is made to sit in a large diagnostic chair while he's at rest, or, I don't know, standby mode. I love how they like order him to do that. They're like, hey, 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 you look at me, visor. Look at me. <laughs> When you're not working, you sit your ass down. That's where you go when you're off. As you wish. No, no, Princess Bride is a year away. Don't fucking do that. (laughs) Don't do that. The scientist tests his tracking system and his ability to record and playback evidence videos. And then Morton asks Robocop, what are your three prime directives? One, serve the public trust. Two, protect the innocent. Three, uphold the law. Perhaps unknownst to Morton and his staff, but knownst to us, a fourth directive has also been uploaded, but it's listed as classified. I feel like there should be like a fifth directive, which is just read. (laughs) Because this is clearly not programmed into this robot. It just flashes on his screen of like directions that you get in a video game, like turn left, directive one, turn left. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like and it's now, a choice that he still has to make. <laughs> now, we told it to you once. Remember it forever. And I really hope it pops up in the appropriate situation, which directive <laughs> you need to follow. Or else we made a big whoopsie-daisy in programming you. <laughs> a whole bouquet of whoopsie-daisies. <laughs> Lewis and some of the other officers are seen in a shooting range, but everyone's attention is drawn to RoboCop while he fires off his custom automatic pistol, which has seemingly unlimited ammo. Yeah, I don't understand how that one works, but it's, it's awesome. I don't Does he have, like, like ammunition built into his arm and it just constantly reloads? That's a badass idea, and I like that. Yeah. And we also should talk about the RoboCop costume. We very should. Very quickly, because we are looking at it now. It is Peter Weller in this costume. Absolutely. And he worked with a mime in order to learn how to move within this costume and how to come up with the motions that RoboCop himself is going to have. I love that. 
which is just amazing. Because you watch Peter Weller and you see him in like Buck Rubanta, you're like, you are not method at all. And that is a complete lie because of what he pulled off here. Yeah. How every single motion he has ends with such a like a staccato motion, as they put it. Of it has to look almost like forced, like it's mechanical. Right. It is so well done. And all you see of him is the bottom of his face, kind of like below the nose, but the chin as well. He's got a real good chin. He's got a good chin. But he also has some sort of chin strap thing that wraps around his head, I guess, to keep the mechanics safe that are in his like neck and the back of his head, as we're going to learn later. But man, oh man, is this a good costume. It is a really good costume. And there are different reports on how much it costs. But we do know that it arrived super late. So the fact that Weller trained with a mime is funny because he actually had to train with that mime twice. And he also had to train with a mime while wearing football pads because they didn't have the costume. Exactly. And then when the costume showed up, it fit totally different than football pads. So he had to relearn how to mime in the new costume. It's great. It is great. And I watched a few videos of him actually getting like strapped into this costume. And he's talking his way through the whole thing. Yeah. He's loving every bit of this costume. And there are many a costume because they kept getting scratched up and dinged up so that oh, they kept yeah. changing different pieces out. But he's in there. And he's like screwed in there. That's wild. <laughs> it is like very mechanical. The piece that goes over the head actually is like screws in the back. So he's not getting that thing off. No, no. There's no like, I have to make a quick bathroom break. This is like the type of costume you want Daniel Day-Lewis to have because you know that he's just going to Treat it like he's a robot the whole time and not eat for forever because <laughs> he's way too method. I'm glad that you brought up the method thing because I have another actual IMDb trivia fact. Oh, okay. I did not know I was walking into that. <laughs> yeah. Being a method actor, Peter Weller insisted on set that he only be called Murphy or RoboCop. Paul Verhoeven told him he was being stupid. Miguel, <laughs> Miguel Ferrer went out of his way to call him by his real name, and Kurtwood Smith ignored him. It's perfect all around. It's great. It's very were, professional. Like, this is RoboCop. We don't care what you want to be called. <laughs> Miguel Ferrer took the job because he needed a job. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he's not taking it too seriously. <laughs> but, like, I think of, like, Paul Verhoeven, like, looking at him dead in the visor going, like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you want me to call you a robo? Get the fuck out of town. But then I think, like, Later on, about how I have like Milos Foreman working with Jim Carrey on Man on the Moon, yeah. how Jim Carrey went full method to be Andy Kaufman, and Milos Foreman, incredibly legendary director of like One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest and Amadeus, is sitting there like pandering to Jim Carrey, <laughs> the guy who talked out of his butthole in a movie. <laughs> but Paul Verhoeven's got the nuts to stand up to Peter Weller. You stop it. Well, you this knock is- it off. Right? Especially in his first American movie. <laughs> the balls on him. The balls. And he demanded a rewrite and then went, no, you're right, I'm wrong. Boom. This guy just showed <laughs> up like he owned the place. And then he was like, okay, second thoughts. Right. And this is a guy who didn't even want to do the movie in the first place, Paul Verhoeven. Right. He had to get talked into it because he just didn't understand like the satirical angle of it all. Like, His wife had to convince him. It's pretty heavy-handed there, Paulie boy. Yeah. John I don't know Favreau what you're missing. <laughs> showed up, and he was like, all right, how do you guys feel about satire? So RoboCop's the bad guy. Nope. Okay. All right, Paul. Uh, maybe we shouldn't have done this. <laughs> so it turns out RoboCop is a great shot. I mean, he should be. He's a He's robot. a robot. He's a robot designed to do this. 
After the little demonstration is complete, RoboCop puts his gun away, twirling it around his finger before holstering it inside his leg. Oh, it's the coolest holster ever. It pops out, he sticks that gun right on there, and then it just goes right back in his leg. I awesome. Love it. And Lewis is like, hey, I recognize that move from somewhere. Probably everywhere. Probably. It's a pretty well-known move to do with a gun. No, only Murphy's ever done it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Murphy and the one guy on TV he copied it from. I know a guy that after he died, I passed a law where cops can't do the flippy gun thing out of just respect <laughs> to him. I'm calling it Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law. That's taken? Oh. What was I this? didn't take the time to learn his first name. Nobody so this is did. I only know it's Alex because you wrote it on this cheat sheet. Yeah, and I only know. It's funny because when I saw Alex when I was doing the cheat sheet, I was like, was that his first name? I thought it was Frank. It was never Frank. Nope. Wasn't Alex either. I'm convinced of that. I guess. There's like one scene where you can get it, and it's yeah, later on. We'll but even there. then, that's but a even stretch. Then. Bob Morton tells Sergeant Reed that Robocop needs a car. So Reed grabs a set of keys and tosses them to Morton. Robocop intercepts them. He gets out of there because he's a badass. He is a badass. Now we have a robot man driving a car. Jimmy takes it took for them to, for him to actually catch those keys because of those stupid gloves. <laughs> Probably a lot. It was a lot. I don't know how many, but it was a lot. That's not even the part I'm concerned with. Like, I'm six feet tall. I get in my car. I have to adjust the seat sometimes because <laughs> I'm a normal sized adult. This yeah. is a robot man getting into a Crown Vic. Yeah, not even. It's a Ford Taurus. It's smaller than a Crown Vic. Jeez. How does this work? Well, um, he doesn't wear the pants of the costume when he's driving the car. I need to see that set photo. <laughs> <laughs> and because they were so concerned they, that people would know, whenever he gets out of the car, the first thing they show is his foot leaving the oh, car. Oh, wow. Hollywood magic. They're like, all right, let's make sure we get the foot shots. People aren't like, that guy's not wearing pants. <laughs> That's my first thought, is that they're treating this movie of a robot <laughs> man driving like a fucking Zoom meeting. RoboCop's first night is pretty active. He starts by stopping a convenience store robbery. And he just throws a guy into a fridge and then... Leaves, maybe? He fridges him, literally. <laughs> then he stops an attempted haircut and rape. No, I mean, the hair got cut. We watched the hair. Oh, you're talking about the lower hair. Because he, the bad right. man says, she's got hair down there, too. Oh, and you got to like, cut that. That's a strange thing to ever say. He stops him by shooting the assailant in the wiener, and I feel like that's absolutely <laughs> the appropriate punishment to be administered there. It is, because he's holding this lady with a knife. And like the lady's in front of him. He's using the human shield method. Yeah. And then he aims and fires at the lady, and the bullet goes through her dress between her legs into the man's wiener. <laughs> That's exactly and how he it drops. goes down. And then RoboCop, I think, leaves. Again. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's like, you should consult a rape consultant, and then leaves. <laughs> and you should consult a nut consultant. <laughs> and we already know Detroit doesn't have backup, so I don't know what's happening to all these criminals. <laughs> I have no idea. Can you imagine if that was like just RoboCop's move, though? It's like, how do we find him? I shot him in the wiener. <laughs> All right, what about the guy in the fridge? He was unconscious. And then I shot him in the wiener. <laughs> you should still be in the fridge with a shot wiener. <laughs> I used an 80s catchphrase when I left and said, surf's up, dude. And then I got out of that convenience store after I shot him in the wiener. <laughs> His last stop of the night. A disgruntled ex-city councilman has taken the mayor and his staff hostage. The police and SWAT have already set up a perimeter. Then RoboCop shows up on the scene and just goes inside. 
and starts <laughs> making his way to the ex-councilman while the hostage negotiator is like offering him everything he wants. Everything. I love this hostage negotiator because he's just clearly buying time at this yeah. point to the point that he's willing to like break down the specs of a car that this guy wants. The 6,000 SUX. It is such a wonderful touch. And he's like, yeah, man, whatever you want. And I like how the councilman's like, you, uh, cruise control? He's like, of course cruise control. <laughs> I'm not going to leave you hanging, boy. And the councilman, he ends up seeing right through the ruse and he grabs the mayor and pushes him to the window. And as he's preparing to execute the mayor, RoboCop punches through the wall, grabs him, and then punches him out a window. <laughs> right. And sends him falling to the street and then presumably shoots him in the wiener. Presumably. Everybody stand clear of his nuts. He just fell out the He's already dead. You saw his legs flop up when he landed. Surf's up, dude. Give me those nuts. <laughs> Who programmed this guy? Like, this is a man who does, like, cocaine off strippers who did this. Like, this we'll is insanity. <laughs> Why does he keep saying, surf's up, dude, in the spit? <laughs> surf's up, dude, and then shoots him in the wiener. <laughs> Detroit famous for its waves. I get it. <laughs> Bob Morton is thrilled by the success of his product and the fame that RoboCop brings him. But Dick Jones is still very, very angry about Morton upstaging him and vows to get revenge while the two of them have a confrontation in the executive bathroom. I like how Dick Jones is a lot like a Harlan Williams type in my mind of like, not nah, seven, seven minute abs. Like, the, the, my robot's bigger. This is insane. <laughs> Wait, guys, just because I killed that one guy. Right. The, the man who's under that suit is a human being who's legally dead, as we've learned. And I don't know why they needed an organic body under there to do all this. <laughs> but here we are. My thing is just all robot. Nothing can stop it. It's climbing the staircase to success. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> I'm trying to be as foreboding as I can. I love this movie so fucking much. Yeah, it's a blast. <laughs> Sometime later, RoboCop is at rest at the precinct in his little standby container, and he starts having these seizures as memories start to come back to him, which we recognize as the last thing Murphy ever saw, just getting shot in the face by Red. Yeah, he's clearly traumatized, and I appreciate they have this like PTSD angle to it. So RoboCop stands up, and he leaves to find Red Foreman and his men, but in the hallway on the way out, he's met by Officer Lewis, and she's like, hey, what's your name? And he's like... I don't have a name. I'm RoboCop. You are no concern to me, you nutless. Goodbye. <laughs> She's like, I'm pretty sure your name's Murphy. And he's like, huh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love how you have the people who are watching RoboCop sleep or whatever it is that they do. I don't know what it is they do. I have no idea. They're just like, we got to shut this thing down. I love they're like monitoring his vitals, except for the moment where he starts having vitals. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But Morton is there, and he's like, we can't shut this thing down because this robot had a dream. And in my head, I'm going, no, motherfucker. That's exactly That's the, the time when you shut it down. Reason number one to shut down a robot. I'm pretty sure Isaac Asimov is doing somersaults in his grave because he's like, I'm pr I don't know the law of robotics off my head, but dreams? Big red flag. Big, big, big red flag. <laughs> it's not okay. And Morton has the balls to reprimand Officer Lewis and Sergeant Reed for interfering with this project. <laughs> she interrogated him. What'd you say? What's I asked your him his name? name? And he called me nutless and then laughed. <laughs> He's very rude. It's like, you have not a wiener to shoot. 
ah, your wiener has been removed already. <laughs> I shall go find crime. My job is complete. <laughs> I have to move on to the other directives I was given. In a different part of town, Emil shows up at a gas station. And he robs the on-duty attendant before filling his tank with gas, which I think is such a power move. It really is like, I'm going to need all the money you have. And he's pointing like his Uzi underneath the window yeah. as the guy's reading his math book. <laughs> Which is great. And he goes and fills up his motorcycle for 10 minutes, even though the tank is not that big. Right. And he comes back and he's like, what, you a college boy? You're reading about maths? For shits and giggles. I look like Flea! <laughs> and for that reason, I'm going to start really messing with you. I'm going to terrorize <laughs> the shit out of you, gas station attendant, who already complied with all of my requests. <laughs> So he's about to shoot this poor gas station attendant, and then RoboCop shows up. Of course he does. And he steps towards Emil, and he's like, dead or alive, you're coming with me. I love that line so much. I love how Emil's like, hold on a second. Wait, wait a minute. You're dead. We killed you. We either killed you a night ago or six months ago. I don't know. <laughs> Unclear. I think it was like, I, I know there's at least 90 days in there to get the prototype active. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> But then again, the timeline doesn't add up anyway. So. Either way, a man with that chin once said that to me. <laughs> I'll never forget. It's a lot like spinning a gun. Only one person can say that phrase. <laughs> right. <laughs> Robocop's like, hmm, you seem familiar. I had memories earlier tonight, and you were in one of them, I think. Right. You look like literally no other man on Earth. Except maybe Flea. But I'm going to question this one. <laughs> <laughs> so Emil uses the leaking gas pump. So and his lit cigarette to blow up the entire gas station. As you do. And as he flees, Robocop shoots him off his motorcycle. And then... As he flees. That <laughs> wasn't even intentional. <laughs> so Robocop takes him into custody. And then at the precinct, he uses his data spike, which is like a Wolverine claw slash USB drive. And he accesses the police mainframe to look up Emil's data and a list of his known associates. And that's going to be important. It sure will. Fills in a lot of those memory gaps that he has. <laughs> One of the names on the list is Red Foreman. Couldn't believe it either. <laughs> Point Place, Wisconsin? <laughs> I get we're in Detroit, but... Hello, Wisconsin! It's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> and he's just... harboring foreigners? Wait a minute. That are exchange students? Hanging out oh, down what? the street? The same home place <laughs> last week? They got nothing to do, man. But talk to you. And they're all all right. Everybody's all all right. <laughs> Red Foreman's rap sheet includes charges for the murder of an officer, Alex J. Murphy. And that's where we got the first name from. That is where we find out his name's Alex, even though they really lean in hard to that street name. And I looked up that street. I think it was like 584 Primrose Lane or whatever it was in Detroit. Sure. It's not there. It's outside Detroit. It's in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> So RoboCop goes to Murphy's last known address, and he finds the house is up for sale. And he walks through it, and it triggers more memories of Murphy's wife and son until he snaps and punches through a realtor advertisement screen. This is a wonderful scene. It's so good. This is the way that you do this, of how you get the memories back. You have him going through his old house, where he very clearly has his muscle memory of going through, and he's picturing the house empty that we see, but he fills in like these memory gaps of what it looked like while it was decorated. Exactly, yeah. And I'm going to say it. Basil fucking Polidorus is destroying this movie musically. He is doing a hell of a job. 
I believe I read that this scene was actually shot by the second unit. They did such an amazing job. Such a good job. Because, yeah, this is kind of the end of our act two. For sure. But you're filling in like this these gaps in character development that we needed him to have. And I was terrified earlier on as he like came to life again as a RoboCop. I was like, yeah, he's probably going to bump into like his wife and kid or something like that. And that's how it's going to trigger the memories. Right. And I'm so happy that's not the direction that they went in. No, they're going to save that for the second movie. Right. After that, RoboCop tracks down Leon at a nightclub and arrests him, demanding to know where Red is. Meanwhile, Bob Morton is having a quiet night in with hookers and blow. Of course, as you do. The doorbell rings and Morton opens the door to see Red Foreman, dumbass. Clarence fucking Boddicker, man. And I love this. This is like one of those special performances here where he doesn't say anything. And he is just so incredibly intimidating and menacing. With it a is smile on his face. Mwah! Huge it's chef's amazing. kiss. Amazing. How scary he is while he's smiling is just a masterclass. Absolutely terrifying. And I love the way that he looks because he does have like these glasses on. And the glasses were supposed to like mimic Himmler right. as like a Nazi. And he didn't even take it that way. He put, no, I'm going to use the glasses to show I'm smart. Amazing choice. Very good choice. Yeah. And he always appears to have, like, the upper leg on everybody. He's always one step ahead. Right. And he always shows it, too. It's so good. It's Kurtwood Smith fucking crushing it. So while he's holding Morton at gunpoint, he orders the bitches to leave. That's his words, not mine. It's like his only line of the scene. He goes, bitches, leave. <laughs> How baller is that? Yeah. And then after they leave, he shoots Morton in the legs. A lot. A whole lot. Just so much. Not like one and one, like, ah, you can't walk. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to light you up. <laughs> I could just cap your knees, but instead I'm going to make it so you can never walk again. But I'm going to leave you nuts in case a RoboCop comes <laughs> after you. Even though that would have been a funny way to frame him. He just like shoots him in the dick and leaves, and everyone's like, the RoboCop is the, at it again! The RoboCop did it. He's gone rogue. It is not my fault. I am a Jewish robot. I am only doing the bidding <laughs> of my religion. <laughs> It is being frowned upon and looked at poorly. Shalom, bitches. <laughs> it's the less popular option. The law enforcement <laughs> robot briss. Bullet briss. Sign me up. Okay. I'm in. I'm already done, but I'll do it again. <laughs> I'll double down for a robot to do it. Put Are you Peter kidding? Weller in a robot costume and have him shoot me in the wiener? Yeah. Absolutely. He's buckaroo fucking bonsai. <laughs> Gotta admit, it's a much better story than like when you're a baby in a hospital and it's just done for sanitary reasons. Oh yeah, it's like, no, it's no. It was done by Peter Weller in a dark alley, <laughs> and it kicked ass. It hurt a lot, but I'll have the memory forever. I will. The weirder part was when he signed it and then put it on a chain and hung it around my neck. <laughs> like, don't do that, Peter Weller. And That's then he was why like, "Don't get hired anymore." I better not see this on eBay later. <laughs> I'll check. <laughs> you better not have the foreskin to put that online. <laughs> you got to watch out on eBay for those phony signed foreskins, though. They're all over the place. Well, you could tell the real ones, like, hands down. How? They all say, surf's up, dude. <laughs> Love Peter Weller. And it was like, he didn't even do that in robot voice that time. <laughs> He really is method. <laughs> it could be like, you know, all these people, like they get out of their 
old shows. All like Johnny Drama, Entourage. Okay, Victory! yeah. And that's like his thing, even though now he's a has been in sure. this fictitious world. I can imagine Peter Weller. Surf's up, dude. Surf's up, dude. Line that's not even this movie. <laughs> that was made up as a joke. That's how you can tell the counterfeit for this skins. podcast. And it's going to sign foreskin. Surf's up, dude. Because 80s. Oh, man. I bought a foreskin on eBay. It doesn't even say surf's up on it. I got a counterfeit. <laughs> surf's up, dud? <laughs> Dad, this is the worst bar mitzvah ever. Who's Peter Wheeler? <laughs> this isn't what I asked for at all. This is awful. We're Hanukkah. I have eight shitty presents coming, apparently. If we start off with this one first night, Dad. <laughs> Couldn't even get an authentic foreskin. <laughs> Where's the certificate of authenticity? Dad, you clearly just cut the end off a condom. That's clearly what you didn't call it foreskin. That's not even what it is, Dad. <laughs> this is why you're a dentist and not a real doctor. <laughs> Got him. This is a sick burn on this fake kid's dad. <laughs> This kid's got it tough. Dad's a dentist, <laughs> shitty Hanukkah, shitty bar mitzvah. Oh, but super clean teeth. Oh, they're the best teeth, without a doubt. <laughs> Let's get that family discount. Yeah, I want the discount. That's why his dad got the robot man to do it in an alley. Or didn't. Or didn't. That's true. <laughs> I don't know if you... Do you get your own signed foreskin? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like imagining it as like you wear like a necklace and it just dangles there. Sure. For all the ladies to look. Sure. But maybe you don't ask for it to happen. And then Peter Weller. Oh, no, Weller... you never ask for this to happen. Peter <laughs> Weller's going to show up and be like, your dad called. And when daddy comes calling, Petey comes a running. <laughs> Peter Weller's just going around giving people bullet brisses. <laughs> and then they're like, well, I don't want this, but maybe somebody does and putting it on eBay. It makes me hate Mel Brooks's cameo in Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> And it makes me wish it was a Peter Weller robot now. All of a sudden, everything changed. Every bit of it changed. Speaking of everything changing. (laughs) Red's going to pull out a CD, and it has a video message. This is I forgot we were still there. This is before (laughs) DVDs. So this is, is, like, they're really thinking ahead here. Cutting edge. It's like a mini laser disc. Yeah, he puts it. Give it time. In the mini laser disc player. And he plays a video message for Morton from Dick Jones. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Red Foreman and Dick Jones are in cahoots. That's right. And the whole time, Red Foreman's just smiling. Just shit-eating grin on his face, which is appropriate because he lives in an asshole. That's right. Detroit itself. Jones tells Morton that he got a little too ambitious in undermining Dick's authority, and he's cashing Morton out of the equation. You know, a video confession, if you will. I'm so cocky that I'm going to leave evidence. But since we're in the past future, I'm going to put it on this CD drive, and no one's going to figure it out. This technology Because they're going to have to go boring. through laser discs first, and people are going to be like, wow, this is a great idea. That's a terrible idea. It's not like anybody has a middle finger spike floppy disk that they can use. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Did you know anybody who had a laser disk? No. I own a laser disk. Oh, rich kid over here. No, no, no. I mean, oh, right. King of the castle. Right king of the now, castle. <laughs> king of the castle. <laughs> no, right now I own a laser disc that I recently purchased accidentally. How did you purchase that accidentally? Well, what happened was it was listed online as a vinyl record. And when it arrived, <laughs> it in fact was not. So you got a pretty good deal 
on a laser disc player then. Oh, not a player. Just, just the disc a, a itself. A single laser disc of the Simon and Garfunkel concert in Central Park. That's fantastic. Which I also now have on vinyl because I reordered it. Well, of course you would. You're From not a maniac. the same link, and it worked the second time, so go figure. You can get a Laserdisc player to play your sweet concert in Central Park of Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> 400 bucks. 400 bucks to watch. On eBay right now. To watch the, the concert in Central Park. To hear Bridge Over Troubled Water live. Yes, please. <laughs> sign me up. It's going to look so okay in Laserdisc. It's going to look so okay. The only person I knew had a laser disc was a rich kid in our town. Yeah, of course. And I hung out with him all the time. He had like the N64 first and all that stuff too. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the only two movies that he had on Laserdisc, The Lion King okay, and Cop and a Half. And Simon and Garfunkel's concert in Central Park. <laughs> he did not get his hands on that gem. Ah, I didn't even do it on purpose, so. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, though. I don't know what to do with it, though. That's very fair. You can like hang it on your wall and say I went gold, platinum, or whatever record companies do when they okay. brag i could do that that's a thing and just have no one question it so just be like oh that's a cool giant cd you have on your wall <laughs> <laughs> i could really confuse some gen zers with it you definitely could but you could also do that with like a floppy disk <laughs> just i just want to like <laughs> get one of those cd cases and just have a bunch of regular cds in it and then the last page is just that just, just a laser just and just dangling down hand it to a, a somebody from gen z and watch them go what the fuck is this cd i was a really really big fan of indian in the cupboard and i was jealous of the indian how everything must have looked huge to him so i just <laughs> wanted to get a laser disc so i could feel like him just wow please. what a deep cut <laughs> indian in the cupboard <laughs> that was like the time of laser discs right yeah for sure. I mean, if your friend had Lion King on Laserdisc, then Indian in the Cupboard was definitely on Laserdisc. Oh, that's how it was. <laughs> Although maybe maybe not because of budgetary reasons. You could buy Indian in the Cupboard on Laserdisc right now on eBay for $10. That's a good deal, I think. Condition? Good. Hey. <laughs> good for them. Uh, let me read what it says here. I watched the shit out of this. <laughs> So there's scu- <laughs> it says there are scuff marks and scratch marks on the edges, but go to town. It plays Covered fine. it up. <laughs> it's fine on your $400 laser player. Robocop! Red primes a hand grenade, pulls the pin with his teeth, puts it on the coffee table, and leaves. It is terrifying the way he does it. Yeah, it absolutely is. And Morton, remember, he got shot in the legs a lot. So yeah, they're not doing well. He's trying to crawl over to it. What's he going to do if he gets there? I don't know. But the timer hits zero because grenades in the future have timers. And it detonates and blows up Morton and his house. And hopefully that confession tape. Well, let me ask you this. Grenade in your house right now. Yeah. I hope not. Red Foreman has pulled that pin with his teeth and he's <laughs> casually walked out. Yeah. Are you walking towards the grenade or are you fucking right off? I'm trying to fuck off. That's Def- the right move. Definitely. Like, I don't know what his plan was when I'm he not got a to the grenade. Like, I'm going to hold it so tight that it doesn't... What? How did I make a robot cyborg, man, when I'm this much of an idiot? <laughs> it's a good thing I have this vibranium shield to put on top of it. Different movie. Different movie. Also, presumably, the Laserdisc CD thing has blown up also, but not important. Hopefully. And also, you could buy RoboCop on Laserdisc right now. Very good condition is the Criterion. Cool hundo. Cool hundo for the Criterion Laserdisc. Yeah, that's the thing, apparently. If I had a way to play it, I might add it to the collection. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, what's more wild is if you scroll down to the sponsored items from this seller. Oh, please tell me it's somebody's foreskin. <laughs> it is not. Shockingly. Signed by uh, Peter Weller. You got Volcano for 15 bucks. Okay. You got Harriet the Spy for $8. And there's also Bean the Movie. Of course for $15. There is. So, wow. Come, come watch my laser disc. <laughs> I like that you have a Bean impression because even though I know he speaks sometimes, I refuse to believe that he speaks ever. <laughs> <laughs> he speaks with his eyes and his heart. And his mole. That's right. Naturally, Red's going to go to the cocaine factory. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> and I don't mean like some little mob pop cocaine factory. This is like a functioning assembly line. Right. This is a lot like if Coca-Cola decided to get into hard stuff. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> like We're like, dropping the, the, the ah of the coca and the cola. We're just gonna, it's cocaine, guys. We're doing cocaine again, boys. Welcome back. This is Detroit, so you know it's like like Henry Ford himself set up this cocaine assembly line. <laughs> okay, so over here is where we're going to cut up the coca leaves, and this is where we're going to refine <laughs> it. And over here... We have a machine that fills the bottles. We're going to fill the bottles, and uh, over here... I'm, this is still Henry Ford talking. I'm going to need a nice, sturdy woman to do cocaine off of her. Because <laughs> this is 1910 uh, or 12 that's... or whatever it is. In this timeline, I'm going to need a handsome woman <laughs> to do that sweet blow off of. Oh, that... I'm going to go drive in my new automobile. <laughs> Classic Hank Ford. <laughs> Red's trying to work out a distribution deal with his competitor, Sal. And Sal's basically like, fuck off. But Red is like, I have guns, which you definitely should have seen coming. Yeah. And then Sal's like, I was kidding. Oh, you. you which is the weirdest move you could ever make. <laughs> right? It's like. I have this factory. I guess I'll just turn it over to you because you showed up with guns. Yep. Now I turn everything over. Then the door of the factory <laughs> is broken down and RoboCop walks in and he orders everyone to surrender. And They, they, don't. they don't. Spoilers, they don't. <laughs> they don't. Everybody's shooting everywhere. There's just cocaine dust, dust flying around the entire building. Everybody it really adds to the, the ambiance of the scene. And, and also everybody's energy levels. I mean, the, yeah, they're through the roof. The cuts get super fast here. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's mostly because everybody's guns kept uh, locking up, so they only get like two seconds of footage at a time. I cannot imagine how loud this room was while they were filming this, because even when you are on set and you have gunplay happening, obviously nothing gets fired unless you're in the crow, because then obviously things get fired and you, you get a dead actor <laughs> on the scene. And they're right. like- this is a robot, man. We're fine. It's not going to get shot of him if we put real stuff. Oh, it's still a movie. Okay. Right, 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 right. Even when you're on set doing this, you're doing gunplay, you are still firing a blank. Right. Like nothing comes out of the barrel, but you're still firing a blank. It is extremely loud, even for one gun. So having this small room where they're just firing at this robot man from all angles and they, you're seeing it all, I cannot imagine how loud it was in there. The decibel levels were probably as high as everybody's heart rates from all the cocaine. <laughs> all the cocaine. Robocop kills most of the gangsters, and then he finds Red, and he starts just brutally beating the shit out of him. He starts, like, questioning him lightly, yeah. but throwing him through every window that he finds. Oh, absolutely. He's tossing him through plate glass windows while reading him his Miranda rights. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. That's phenomenal. It's funny because like they tested this with a group of cops. They're like, they're gonna hate this scene. It was their favorite scene. 
Because it's like one of those on-the-job type things, I'm sure. And they're like, Michael Winslow really set us back a long time. We got to make up for it. (laughs) So while RoboCop is choking the shit out of Red Foreman, Red starts begging for his life, revealing his connection to Dick Jones. And RoboCop realizes, oh yeah, I have directives, and I have to be a police officer and not kill this guy. That's because Red Foreman says the word cop and then, like, Directive 1 flashes on screen. I think it was Directive 3. Whatever it was. Because <laughs> it flashed on the screen. He's like, I can read. Oh, right. Direct- Thank you, Hooked on Phonics. Directive 5 kicks in. <laughs> Back at the police station, all the officers have officially gone on strike. RoboCop brings in Red and orders him to be booked on charges of murdering police officers, which, you know, is documented in their system. It is, but I like how he brings him in. And the chief is there, manning the desk, as all chiefs do all the time. And he's like, what's the charge that I briefed everyone on earlier? (laughs) What is it? You just check the system. You have him documented as murdering (laughs) 30-some-odd police officers. So many cops. Like, you know the stakes here, chief. How do you have this job? Dick Jones arranges for Red to be freed on bail somehow. And nobody questions his motive at all. So RoboCop immediately goes to Dick Jones's office. And I love when he gets to this office because you have Dick Jones sitting at his desk and he pushes the button to open the door for RoboCop. Yes. And like RoboCop thought he had him by like surprise. And even RoboCop like pauses for a second and go, that's a smart motherfucker. Wait all a right. minute. What am I walking into here? So I like right away Dick Jones has the upper hand in a way. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty neat. Dick Jones is like, my dick's not getting Jones today. No, that's right. Famous line from this movie. Uh, number 28, AFI, all-time list. <laughs> My dick's not getting jonesed. So apologies to play it, Sam. Play as time goes by from Casablanca. You've been bumped <laughs> from the list on the AFI Top 100 quotes. You know it deserved. Uh, good news for You Can't Handle the Truth from A Few Good Men. Survived to 29. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> RoboCop charges Jones with aiding and abetting and attempts to arrest him, but his system immediately begins to shut down due to a product violation. I love that so much. Yeah. Uh, Jones explains that the classified Directive 4 was created by him to prevent OCP's product from taking action against an OCP executive. And now you have this RoboCop who is experiencing these human emotions getting his past sort of back within his own head and then getting reminded that he's just a product. Yeah. And I think that is just wonderful. Absolutely. Then Jones is going to add uh, injury to insult. He activates- <laughs> Yes, he will. He activates the Ed 209 to destroy RoboCop and admits that he had Bob Morton killed. Shouldn't do that, especially when the robot's got playback. He's got, he's always recording. He's always. He's still a robot. You just reminded him of that. <laughs> If anything, you got to convince me like he's more human. Like, those lions still suck, huh? Yeah, Detroit Rock City. Hey. Human stuff. <laughs> right? I don't want to talk about robot stuff. <laughs> hey, you. Uh, you're a product. <laughs> uh, this guy, you're a, you're a man, a human man who has a faulty memory, <laughs> right? You know us humans and our faulty memory, right? That's High five. Right. High five, RoboCop. Uh, yes. <laughs> Give me some skin, literal skin. Yes. Perfect. So RoboCop and Ed 2 and I are going to fight, kind of. Um, RoboCop is severely damaged, but he managed to escape by exploiting Ed 209's only weakness. Stairs. 
love how Robocop's like getting down these stairs, like, gotta run, gotta run, gotta run. Can't get this chin injured. <laughs> and Ed 209 is just standing at the top of the stairs, like, like my one and a half year old trying to negotiate these things, <laughs> like putting one foot in front of the other and eventually just topples down. And I love the hissy fit that he like throws oh, on the landing. He's on his back and he's like, you can't get up. It's amazing. It's so good. I like that. Like you said, RoboCop is running, running, running away. But as soon as Ed 209 starts struggling with if it should follow him or not, RoboCop just stops and starts watching. <laughs> like he's just on the next landing. He could definitely be shot from there. But instead, the robot's like, I have to follow him. I have to chase him down the stairs and then falls. Ed 209's like, I got that BDE, man. I'm not going to shoot him from here. This is a chase. This isn't a stop and fire. This, Yeah, I got to hesitantly go down these stairs like a like a reverse buddy the elf <laughs> i love it you have ed 209 on his back pretty much just gone now yeah and robocop's like oh that worked out real well <laughs> all right remember take the stairs several officers attempt to stop robocop for his reported attack on jones opening fire and damaging him further but officer lewis arrives and rescues him I like how he like gets in the car with her, and all the cops are like, shoot that car. And they do, and nothing happens. I like how they like watch him get in the car, and they're like, okay, now shoot the car. <laughs> now that he's in, and the actor's safe. I mean, action! Lewis and the RoboCop. The RoboCop. I like that. I just gave him a, a pronoun. That's not what the word is. <laughs> nope, that's not what <laughs> Fucking A. Here we are. I can imagine how this would be like the first case of like on the census or whatever, 1990. RoboCop is living with Lewis now. And they send to like, all right, Mr. Mrs. And he just writes in. I'm a the. The. <laughs> oh, fuck. And like how they have kids down the road and they're just like, oh, Mr. RoboCop. He's like, Mr. RoboCop was my father. I am the. The RoboCop. <laughs> So Lewis and the RoboCop retreat to an abandoned <laughs> factory that may or may not be the steel mill where Murphy was murdered. I'm not I'm sure. sure. RoboCop re- repairs most of the damage to his robot body, and he removes his helmet. And he's still got a full-on Murphy face under there. He does, but the skin's like pulled back, and it's being like clamped back a little bit. Yeah. And then you see like the Robo gears still that are part of like the back of his head. This is magic. It is so cool looking, and I'm like. How did the 80s get this right? <laughs> so many things. It looks unbelievable. And I understand the casting of Peter Weller, because a lot of people, you put them in that situation, would have just looked goofy. But Peter Weller looks goofy to start. Exactly. So you can't goof so him up too much. So well. <laughs> so RoboCop asks what happened to his wife and son. And Lewis is like, oh, they moved away after your funeral. They started a whole new life. Sorry, bud. I don't know what to tell you. You're gone. They had a chance to leave Detroit, so they did. Be happy. It's a pretty good move, actually. I agree. <laughs> and then Officer Lewis helps RoboCop realign his targeting system with some baby food. It's a thing. Well, RoboCop eats baby food, right? Like a paste, because apparently he needs to eat to keep his organs alive even though he's legally dead right i don't know but also right now he's not hungry so he's not hungry so he's trying to shoot the baby food that's there and his aim is very off and in his robot brain he goes good enough more or less until he needs the help to realign himself yeah 
I don't understand how he couldn't realign himself just by firing and seeing where the bullet goes and then just adjusting the sight from there because he's a robot. Because he's a robot. Also, I like how the crosshairs were still dead on. He was just not using them to aim. Right. Because they just chose she just not moved to. his arm to the left. So the crosshairs aligned with the directive food. seven is no scope, bitches. It's <laughs> a good directive. Red gets released from jail. So he meets up with Jones. And Jones is like, hey, why'd you involve me? Telling RoboCop all about how you're working with me. His video evidence is admissible in court, you dumbass. Yeah, but they don't have laser discs. And Red's like, I'm the one who says dumbass, dumbass. (laughs) So Dick orders him to destroy RoboCop. And Red's like, you're insane. He's practically invincible and I'm free now. So I'm just going to leave. But then Dick is like, hey, but remember about drugs and prostitutes and gambling oh i do i love them so much the workers building delta city they're probably gonna love those things too and that's all it takes red's back in (laughs) it didn't take much i like how he's like standing up he walks out and joan's sitting there on this weird couch that's angled in ways that couches are not angled that's true and then red foreman comes walking and he sits down you're like i guess they're partners again okay it's like oh yeah you know what i was gonna leave but you're right drugs prostitute and gambling (laughs) i do love those three things in that order so I guess I'll stay. I guess I'll sit in your weird couch with you. <laughs> Dick provides him and his crew with military-level weapons and gives him a tracking device to find their common enemy. The guns that he gives them oh my God. are enormous. And what's awesome is that you have Emil. He's back in this movie, Flea, a Jace. Yeah. And he's like watching TV and he's watching the funny man with the, I'd buy that for a dollar on the screen. <laughs> and then he flips his shit at this TV because he can't hear it. So he punches the window up in terms of the volume, as you do. The cops are on strike. No one's going to stop this man. Right. But then Red Foreman pulls on up and it's like they greet each other like they haven't seen each other in months. Like, oh, we're about to do another right. job. Cool. And then you have the man with the wiener out, the uh, non-blown off wiener, the one that Lewis Cox. looked at earlier. He pulls up and he's got that new fancy car that the councilman tried to negotiate oh, also for. Also, his name is Cox. That's right. But he's showing off his new car, everything like that. And he tells Red Foreman, he's like, hey, like my new ride. And Red Foreman's like, that's cute. He got one of those 6,000 SUXs, which is a built in joke because they use all Fords for the police in the movie. And apparently, sure. one of the biggest competitors for Ford in the police cruiser department was the Pontiac 6000 at the time. Well, that joke's hysterical. So they called the other car in the movie a 6,000 sucks. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Sweet burn, RoboCop. Good job. You did it. <laughs> you appeased your corporate overlords. But I like after Cox shows off the 6,000 SUX, Red Foreman goes in the back of his car and he grabs the biggest gun I've ever seen. It's enormous. And then he aims it at the 6,000 SUX and in one shot, blows it to hell (laughs) and cox is upset but emil's like hell yes yeah to which red foreman gives him the gun and then he just lights up a whole entire city block just firing it and they're all laughing and having a ball all willy-nilly there's a second gun in the truck in the in the car too just everybody's getting giant guns and blowing up parts of the street right poor deep alum dallas here is getting lit up Detralis? Is that what we're going <laughs> to? I hate it. That sounds like a drug for a wiener. Daltroid? <laughs> Same. <laughs> Was your dick blown off by a robot cop? Try Detralis. 
You're right. It's exactly what it sounds like. Did Peter Weller remove your foreskin with a gun? <laughs> Try to trellis. You just like see the commercial for it now. It's just like Peter Weller in the RoboCop costume, mask off, and he's like just in a bathtub on a mountain. <laughs> Detralis instantly regroup my foreskin for me. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> Do not take Detralis if you're allergic to Detralis. <laughs> That's one of the stupidest. It's been a recent development in the, the pharmaceutical commercial game where it's like, if you're allergic to this, don't take it. Don't use this crazy fetal energy that we have here in this pill if you've been a fetus yourself. <laughs> oh, no, that's most of our market. Oh, no. So now we're just growing God robot damn it, foreskins. we ran ourselves out of the market of Detralis already? <laughs> it's only marketable to robots. How ironic. And I like how Detralis, it's going to be a robot foreskin type thing, but really, just a wing nut. <laughs> you just screw it on the tip. Oh, wow. And Peter Weller just goes, you're welcome. Surf's up, dude. Ask your doctor about Detralis today. <laughs> Red's crew, they're going to track down RoboCop to the, the abandoned steel mill. And now RoboCop is going to finally start picking off some, some gang members here. Joe Cox is almost immediately killed by RoboCop. Good. Finally. Then Officer Lewis... She's going to chase down Emil and the police cruiser, and Emil ends up driving his truck into a giant tank filled with toxic waste. And we know that. Because it's Because labeled. the tank says, toxic waste on it. <laughs> but I love how he like drives head on into this thing. Yeah. And then it, the camera just stops there, and then the back doors fly open, and toxic waste just starts pouring out the back door. So it shows like how deep into this thing he is and how much is actually in there. And he comes falling out. <laughs> it's amazing. It's incredible. Like, just thinking about how much it must have sucked to shoot that. <laughs> yep. Probably difficult. <laughs> to be that guy. So his flesh starts melting off, obviously, because of toxic waste. And then he is eventually run over by Red, and he explodes into a puddle of goo. And it is the best thing I've ever it's seen. It's absolutely incredible. It's like, you have the nuts to have this man, like, put him in all these prosthetics, and he's walking around melting. Yeah. And then you just hit him with a car and explode him. <laughs> it's so good. It's phenomenal. Officer Lewis is pretty badly injured from being shot during the chase. So she's like just laying out in the, in the open. And Leon, Ray Wise. Ray Wise? Sure. <laughs> he always says it in a weird way that it could be either. And I'm like, you must practice that. Just keep it everyone on their toes. That's it. I've heard him say it both ways. And it's baffling to me. It's like, pick one so we can all be in agreement. Maybe he is drunk sometimes. Possibly. Hi, this is Ray Wise. <laughs> that checks out, actually. That's exactly how he said it in the video I listened to. <laughs> Just trailing off. What were we talking about? <laughs> Shoot my what off? <laughs> He's using a giant crane to drop scrap metal on top of RoboCop to pin him down. And then, of course... Lewis gets a hold of one of those enormous guns and shoots him, and he blows up. It's awesome. So now Leon's gone, too. And now it's just, it's just RoboCop and Red. And Red is attacking RoboCop because he's pinned down by, again, all the debris and whatnot. But RoboCop fends him off and eventually stabs him in the neck with his data spike. It's very good because Red Foreman bleeds all the blood. So much blood. 
And <laughs> it's an insane amount of blood. I, he definitely bleeds more than anybody else in this movie, which is crazy because some people get shot a lot. But he's bleeding in almost every scene. So, But Robocop did it. He, he beat all the crime lords. So he returns to OCP, and using one of the giant rifles that he took from Red's gang, he destroys the, the ED-209 that Jones has guarding the headquarters entrance. Must have figured out the stairs. I like how it takes two shots. Yeah. I don't know why, but I like that because it blows everything up in one shot. And just to show that the Ed 209 is strong. Exactly. Two shots. Yeah. Just just so you know that like we weren't fucking around with this Ed 209 thing. Robocop goes into the headquarters and he interrupts a meeting of the OCP board and he openly accuses Dick Jones of murder and states that his programming will not allow him to arrest an executive of OCP. But I also love how the old man is there, and he's like, what evidence do you have? And he just puts his Wolverine spike into the very convenient R2-D2 hole that's in every room, apparently. And he's like, look at my laser disc. And he just plays the video of Jones admitting to Morton's murder. (laughs) That's that's where it starts, too. I love it. Yeah, I fucked him up real good to death. (laughs) I did it. Yeah, I'm the one that killed Morton. Yeah, I'm the one that killed Morton. Yeah, I'm the one that killed... It's on a loop. It's just him confessing to murder. It's great. So Jones immediately grabs the gun that's in the every boardroom and takes the old man hostage. Uh, I mean, for what it's worth, at this point, we're in Renaissance Tower in Dallas. <laughs> I guarantee under every one of those seats is at least a gun. <laughs> at the very, very least. And I knew it was Renaissance Tower because I lived in Dallas for two years and I recognized this view really, really well. How you see uh, Fountain Place in the background, that pointy building. Sure. And I absolutely love it. And this is just so damn iconic for Dallas, which is weird. It's amazing that they would, hey, you know what we should do for a Detroit movie? <laughs> Let's get the most iconic building in Dallas. That sounds like fun. Right? Like maybe in the future, Detroit is like, hey, you know that building in Dallas? We should get one of those. This is Paul Verhoeven. I have a pitch for the sequel. Robocop 2. We're going to have it done in Phoenix. He needs to leave Detroit. needs to go fix Phoenix. Hear me out. Same ending. Tall building. Chrysler building in the background. <laughs> Phoenix. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I thought you were going to but we're going to film it in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> what is even there in Orlando? What is that? I want Epcot? <laughs> <laughs> That's just a giant ball. This is a bold choice. <laughs> Jones demands a helicopter to, to evacuate safely, and the old man is like, this is stupid. You're fired. Robocop's like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, Directive 4 is voided, and Robocop shoots Dick several times, and Dick falls out the window, and he screams as he falls to the pavement below with his very long arms waving wildly. They are... Wild, wacky, inflatable balloon man <laughs> arms at this point. Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. Yeah, go ahead. A puppet of Ronnie Cox was used when he is shot out of the building window by Robocop as he's falling to his death. That doesn't surprise me at all because a puppet of Peter Weller was used when they shot him in the head. So Red Foreman is acting against a puppet. And so For well. the majority of that scene, and it looks unreal. I can't believe how good that puppet looks. I can, because I've seen Total Recall also, that Paul Verhoeven did. That's fair. Very similar. He's very good with his puppets. It's a man who knows his puppet makers. That's right. And doesn't have to even get creepy like Jim Henson putting his hands up things. (laughs) It feels so good in this frog. I can live here forever. (laughs) So velvety and 
<laughs> Warm. Uh, Jim, why are you so worried about what fabric's going in there? Because I want it to feel so good. I just feel this weird rainbow connection with it. <laughs> oh, there it is. So we did it. Dick Jones is dead. We did it! The old man is like, hey, thanks, RoboCop. Wait a minute. What's your name anyway? And RoboCop is like, Murphy. Ah! And that's the movie. That is the movie. And holy shit, what a movie. What a movie indeed. This is one of my favorite movies we watched on this show in an awfully long time. Probably since, like, Teen Titans go to the movies. That's fair. Yeah. I love this thing. This is a lot of fun and just so well done. And I did have one last IMDb trivia fact. I'll allow it. Released on Donald Sutherland's 52nd birthday. Donald Sutherland famously not a part of this movie at all. <laughs> not even <laughs> remotely connected to it. These facts are unbelievable, and I love every single one of them. Insane. <laughs> to scroll through almost 300 facts, and those are the ones I picked out. I mean. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. I don't know that anybody does. <laughs> it's also very fair. <laughs> I mean, I get a few nuggets here and there of actual helpful knowledge, but mostly it's in the Wikipedia anyway. Also true! <laughs> What's not in the Wikipedia, though, at least I'm not sure because I didn't read it, Rotten Tomatoes 100! What do you think? Oh, um, 88. 90! Oh, so close. You're kind of like back in your old area here of only being a couple percent off. I mean, I haven't been there in a while, so... It's true. Audience score is 84%. Roger Ebert did see this. Of course he did. He gave it three out of four stars. Okay. And he says, there is a moment early in RoboCop when a robot runs amok. It has been programmed to warn a criminal to drop his gun and then to shoot him if he does not comply. The robot, an ugly and ungainly machine. That's just mean. That is mean. Roger. What did Ed do to you? I, I hate it. He says, is wheeled into a boardroom of a company that hopes to make millions by retailing it. I don't know if it was a retail situation. This isn't going to be like a Tesla store in a mall. Yeah, no, it seemed more like a contract kind of way of making money. Exactly. But he says, a junior executive is chosen to pull a gun on the machine. The warning is issued. The exec drops his gun. The robot repeats his warning, counts to five, and shoots the guy dead. This is a very funny scene. <laughs> Whether it was funnier before the MPAA Code and Ratings Administration requested trims, and it is, I suppose, a moot point, it is funny in the same way that the assembly line in Chaplin's Modern Times is funny, because there is something hilarious about logic applied to a situation where it is not relevant. Exactly. Yeah. That's... <laughs> He goes on to say, because the scene surprises us in a movie that seemed to be developing into a serious thriller, it puts us off guard. We're no longer quite sure where RoboCop is going, and that's one of the movie's best qualities. <laughs> that's actually, yeah. He finishes by saying, considering that he spends much of the movie hidden behind one kind of makeup device or another, Weller does an impressive job of creating sympathy for his character. He is more human, indeed, when he is a RoboCop. Then earlier in the movie, he called him a RoboCop, when he's an ordinary human being. His plight is appealing, and Nancy Allen is effective as the determined partner who wants to find out what really happened to him. Most thriller and special effects movies come right off the assembly line, you know, just like we talked about with Henry Ford. Right. Perfect. Right. And the cocaine. cocaine factory. Yeah. Right. He says, you can call out every development in advance and usually be right. RoboCop is a thriller with a difference. I like that. And I do like that. He clearly does get it. Yeah, for sure. People who don't get it reside on Amazon.com. That's usually where they are. 
This movie has 4.7 out of 5 stars, 84% are 5-star, 1% are 1-star. Pretty good. And I say they don't get it because they thought they were reviewing the 2014 movie. That's uh, way... Joel Kinnaman is not great in this movie. <laughs> well, it's Peter Weller, that's why. That's the big issue. Joel Kinnaman not as good at shooting dicks. That's right. I watched the Suicide Squad and Suicide Squad. Joel Kinnaman famously never shot a dick in either of them. That's right. He got shot by a dick. He did. Ah, spoilers. So since they reviewed the wrong movie, I went right to Letterboxd. Nice. On Letterboxd, I only pulled a couple reviews, because this movie is just kind of universally loved for the most part. Yeah. But from February 13th, 2021, out of all the amazing perfect things in this, by far the coolest is that the leader of the hardest gang in Detroit is a balding middle-aged white guy with glasses who <laughs> looks like a high school principal, and it totally works. Clarence Boddicker for life, the GOAT movie villain. Make sure if you can get the extended director's cut, which only features an extra gloriously gratuitous 10 to 15 seconds of that OCP executive getting absolutely shredded by gunfire. <laughs> Trust me, it's worth it. All right. I love it. And spot on about uh, Kurtwood Smith there. Oh, he crushes it. He does look like a high school principal. He it's does. wonderful. And the second and last review I have off a of letterbox. Uh, Brian, how many words was your synopsis this time? Around 2,700. Okay. Well, this guy did your job for you. Really? <laughs> really, really. Um, sorry you wasted all your time typing that out. Yeah. Because from January 22nd, 2014... Peter fucking Weller as RoboCop, taking out the trash on the streets of Detroit one asshat at a time. <laughs> Cold War shenanigans. ED-209's tiny little glitch. The last time your ass volunteers for shit. A co-ed <laughs> locker room. Officer Lewis is dressed to kill. A 70s show baddie. Bobby can't fly. A call you could really use some fucking backup on. Watching TV will get your ass killed. Bad fucking ass Murphy taking more shots than Tupac, Biggie, and 50 Cent combined. What? Waking up from the dead. Extreme target practice. A new sheriff in town. I'll buy that liquor store madness for a dollar. A perfect nut shot. Saving the mayor's ass. It's amazing what you can learn from sitting on the shitter. George Clooney's cousin fucks with the wrong guy. Robo flashbacks. Realizing who the fuck you really are. A gas station goes kaboom, motherfucker. A cocaine orgy. Cashing out Bob. A nose candy shootout. Booking a fucking cop killer. Ronnie Cox is a fucking dick. Robo kryptonite. SWAT versus Robo ends with a friendly face. Locked and loaded and ready for some dead-on shooting. Partners stick together. Surprise, motherfucker! Dashboard splatter! The Reaper's boss gets blown sky-fucking-high. Sayonara, Mr. Foreman. Fallen dick. Murphy is my name, motherfucker. Fuck the remake. I have nothing against Joe Kinnon, but he ain't no fucking Peter Weller. Wow. PG-13 Robocop is like Sharon with her panties on. Casper <laughs> shooting Smurfs instead of giant alien bugs. And Elizabeth oh dancing with her clothes on. It ain't fucking right. <laughs> that is uh, perfect. I had to say the whole thing because it just brought a joy to my Absolute my perfection. That I didn't know I needed. But wow. there it is. So, Brian, I'm sorry you wasted all that time. He nailed it. Crushed it. Way better <laughs> job synopsizing this movie than I just did. And I'm not bombshell. Why don't we give this thing a super stuff score? Yeah, I feel like there's nothing left to do. <laughs> Start with story and motivation. 
It's a one. Yeah, you're Easily. absolutely right. It's a one. You know what? Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. I heard me say one and I went, no, 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 no. That's too low. I'm going to go with a 1.5 on this one. And my reasoning why is that this thing falls into a perfect three-act structure, not about plot. Huh. And it's even separated into its full three acts by using the news people to break the, it up. the TV commercials. So it's very, very heavy-handed the way it does it, yeah. but it's effective because you do get your inciting incident as you have your developing issues of, I mean, it's nothing's more inciting of an incident than getting your ass blown away. By getting got. And dying. Yeah. You get your point of no return when you become a robot man. Yep. And then you get your all hope is lost kind of moment right at the end of act two where you got destroyed by this Ed 209 robot and along with everyone else who's just blasting you to all hell, you have to fix yourself. You don't even have your helmet on anymore with your sweet ass visor. Right. Then you obviously get your climax. I'm giving this a one five because the three act structure is so out in front of this entire movie. It's built fully on it. It doesn't hide it at all, but it also relies on the three-act structure not being about plot. It's about character, and it always is about character right. when it's done right. Yeah, and it's great because Peter Weller has a different look at each act, too. So it's like it's they're absolutely hammering it home, and I can't argue against the 1-5. I wanted to. like I really wanted you to do your spiel and then go, you're absolutely right, a 1 again, but... <laughs> But you would have been warranted to do. You're still right. One five. Perfect. Let's talk about the hero. It's Robo fucking cop. It is Robo fucking cop. He saves the day. He's like the ultimate 80s badass. He really is. He is so iconic for this time period. And I'm to, going to go with a one. And an original IP at that. Like that's Which is just ridiculous because of. the two writers of this movie, Edward Newmeyer and Michael Miner, got together because they both kind of had similar ideas about yeah. Oh, cop of the future. Let's make a RoboCop. Boom! That's, Magic is made. That's a dumb name. We're not buying it. Somebody did. Somebody did for only like $25,000, too. Yeah. So, fun fact about those pennies, kids. Edward Neumeyer is that after this movie came out, he got hired by the Air Force as a consultant for futuristic concepts. That's actually very neat. Yeah, that's insane. I'm still going to go with a one for RoboCop. I agree. One. Let's talk about villains now. I think the big bad of this thing is Dick Jones. Yep. Easy. Because I think Clarence Boddicker is too henchy. He becomes henchy because they're like, let's tie the two villains together. And I get that. That makes it a more fun development later in the movie. I'm going to go with a 0.5 overall just because it is just the corporate structure that's trying to come down on everybody. I I wish Clarence Boddicker was not so henchy. Capitalism is the villain of the movie. Ah, what a unique idea. I wish I could give it higher because I... Love Kurtwood Smith in this Kurt movie. Kurtwood Smith is next level good in this movie. Like so good, but he does get henched, which is like our version of getting fridged. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Parents. Unknown, it's a zero. Zero it is. Female characters. Lewis is good because the Wikipedia page told me so. Because she wasn't sexualized she or She wasn't like sexualized because they cut her hair. But she also did look at a wiener. Voluntarily. She- did look at a wiener very voluntarily, but I feel like it was a situation where anybody would have looked at that wiener. You're saying that you have this man in front of you. Hands are up. You're arresting him as a cop. Yeah. And he says, go ahead. He doesn't. You're telling he me you're going to look at the wiener. He didn't. He said, can I at least zip it up? Yeah, but the camera said that it was going to happen. But the camera said that, not the character. <laughs> That's fair, but I, I don't know. I have some issues with Lewis because she is kind of shoehorned in there to just have that partner aspect to it. 
she does kind of remind him that his name's Murphy, does right. set him on the right path. Right. And she's a badass when they first introduce her. I mean, she handles she that, that perp like crazy. She absolutely is, but I feel like she never gets to that point ever again. Yeah. They do a neat thing with the co-ed uh, locker room scene, though, to kind of make it like, in the future, nobody gives a fuck. I do like that quite a bit. It would have been very cool if they had three seashells, though. It would have been. Oh, my God. Yes. I'll go point 0.5 for point, a female character. I think that's that's fine. Yeah. Setting. It's Dallas. <laughs> Detralis. <laughs> it's wild because I lived in Dallas for two years, and the second that they flashed up like the first exterior, I was like, that's Dallas. That's not Detroit. <laughs> like, instantly. Just immediately taken out of it. And watching this thing, it is so Dallas, it's ridiculous. But I think what's neat also is that the studio stuff that they did, because they had to end up redoing the kill scene of Ed 209, of like blasting the volunteer away. Right. That they shot that at Las Colinas Studios, which I've been to many a time, had no idea that Robocop was filmed there. <laughs> but what's crazy about that studio is that this could have been done. And I don't know if it was, but in theory, it could have been done on the same soundstage that Barney was filmed on. I mean, I and love that. In my that. head canon, absolutely. I like that idea. I love that head canon. I also know. could be the same studio that Walker Texas Ranger was filmed at. So that also checks also out. Also neat. But either way, this thing is very Dallas. They call it Detroit. It yeah. still works. I like what they're doing with the futurism though, a lot. Like I they they're actually nailing a lot of technological things and I don't know, they're they're living in this weird almost dystopian Detroit that if you look at Detroit now, they weren't that far off. They weren't. Still plenty of 1980s Dodge Tauruses driving around, I'm sure. So, <laughs> But at the same time, I mean, it's obviously an over, overly dystopian and grim outlook, but they still got several things correct. They did, and I think the matte paintings look ridiculous. They, like, they did such a good job with that. And that is just a whole lost art in movies now. It absolutely is. That is uh, mind-blowing to me. 0.75. I like it. 0.75 I for Dallas. I initially going with a full-blown one. Because Why of not Dallas. just make it Dallas? <laughs> I mean, Honestly, yeah. <laughs> come on. Style and tone. It is so 80s. It's insanely 80s. I'm going to go with just a, an easy one. It's probably the easiest one I've given in a long time. Yeah, I nothing dirty about that one. It is a one. Music. I loved it. Basil Paladoris? He crushed it. There is a theme in this movie. It keeps coming back. Yes. It has nice emotional moments to it. I think he absolutely destroyed it. And it evolves with each act a little bit, which is, I mean, yeah. He does a great job, almost as good as he does on Free Willy. Oh, God, I forgot about Free Willy. That's definitely a one. Yeah, it's a one. One liners. There's a few really good ones in this. There's definitely, there's two that, that stand out to me for sure. I'd buy that for a dollar. Obviously. And dead or alive, you're coming with me. Or bitches leave. Bitches leave. Like that line made me so happy because it was just <laughs> out of nowhere. And it's Red Foreman saying it. Yeah. Dumbass. I'm going to go with a 0.5. I think that is reasonable. There's enough. There are things that you can quote from the movie. But it's not going to make any lists. Well, I mean, it was number 28. Oh, right. On the <laughs> list of From whatever quote you said way nope, back when. That nope, wasn't in the movie. Jones and my dick. That's the one. Or something like that. <laughs> Final category is impact on the genre. The genre being the superior genre or the comic book genre. This came before the comic books. Right. The comic books were written from this. Original IP, 
So it didn't do a whole lot for the genre itself that we talk about. Right. But for the industry, it did quite a bit. That's true. Because it is a $13 million budget. It did do $53 million, so it is a major hit. Yeah. And it is one of the most iconic films of the 80s, especially in like the action genre. Absolutely. And it's part of the Criterion Collection. It was nominated for three Oscars for Best Sound, Best Sound Editing, and Best Film Editing, and it did win for Sound Editing. Which is bananas. Yeah. I'm going to go with a .5 because I'm not really sure how to judge it. I agree, because it definitely has a huge impact, just not sure where exactly. <laughs> right. I'm glad we came to that very anticlimactic decision. That's going to give RoboCop a total score of 7.25. Oh, too low. It is too low. It's too low. This is one of the best movies we've watched in a long time, in my opinion. Like I, I feel guilty that I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. It's I one mean, of those that I'm so happy I finally have seen. Well, you that thought I you had. Sworn I've so. seen. <laughs> and I definitely had not. Yeah. And now we both definitely have. So maybe I was confusing it with like Star Kid or something. Maybe. I've definitely <laughs> seen that. Not the same thing. <laughs> that is so long ago. That was the first Ebert pick. Yes, it was. So I guess that leaves us with this question. Next week is your birthday. It is. And as everybody knows who listens to this show, on your birthday, you get to pick whatever movie you want. It's true. Now, let me set the stage just a little bit. Yeah, let's go do a recap. On Brian's birthdays, he's chosen two Power Rangers movies so far. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie and Turbo a Power Rangers movie. Correct. And on my birthday, (laughs) I've gifted all of you with Howard the Duck. Classic. Demolition Man. Oh, that was fun. And Ghostbusters. Those are three very good picks. Brian has left me in the dark about what his pick is going to be, and I'm actually terrified right now. So, Brian, history is going to say that there is another Power Rangers movie out there. There is a 2017 Power Rangers movie. But? Is there a but? Please say there's a but, because I actually don't know what we're doing. So, next week, I've been hinting at this kind of a lot, just not the way you'd expect. We're going to be talking about Mallrats. I could not be happier with this decision. <laughs> I we did saying, just do Chasing Amy on the Patreon. Yeah, and we actually got a little bit of flack that it probably should have gone on the main channel because of its relation to comic books. It's a movie about comic books. It's not a comic book movie, though. Right. It's a movie about comic book creators, not even comic right. books. So, it's, so if we have to have a loophole to get ourselves out of that, whoopsie-daisy. Yeah. So, but at the it, same maybe. time, uh, the Viewisk universe probably does need to exist on the main channel somewhere and i felt like the most appropriate version to make that introduction would be the one that has stanley in it i think that's the absolute right choice and that is a fantastic pick i am not upset at all about this i'm gonna strap on my third nipple and it's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah so stay tuned for next week for my birthday mall rats Until then, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you you follow us on, whichever one you like the best. Just click that button that says subscribe, and then you'll get fun goodies when we drop them randomly, like when we did Jaws last month. That's right. Speaking of Jaws, join us on our Patreon. This month, we're going to be talking about Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's a very fun episode. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. But more importantly, I'm hoping that more people subscribe because every dollar that goes into that Patreon in the month of October, it's getting donated 100% to the Extra Life Foundation. 100%. And in the month of October, 
We're going to be talking about Super Mario Brothers. So you're going to get some goodies out of it. Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, and Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. I cannot wait to talk about that movie. I'm so excited (laughs) to talk about that movie. And it's only going to be on Patreon. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. Hey, I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. And that dollar goes to the kids. And it's going to the kids. It's all going to the Extra Life Foundation. So get on to patreon.com slash Podcasters. Subscribe. You get a bunch of additional content. All goes to a good place. We'd like to shout out right now Cubicle Monkey for his extremely generous donation for the kids. It's for the kids. For the kids. We can't thank you enough for that phenomenal donation. Really appreciate it. If you have anything you want to ask us, tell us, uh, complain about, you can send us an email at katepodcasters at gmail.com. We have three this week. Holy crap. Okay. Uh, Fire away. Might as well just get into it then. Let's get into it. Uh, Michael P.S. Warren sends us an email. Hi, Michael. Dear Cape Dudes. I like that. Hey, guys. Surf's up, dude. Since this year is the 46th anniversary of Jaws. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> and it's, it's this month's Patreon episode, last month. I thought I'd share a bit of trivia. In a 2002 comedy, Master of Disguise, Dana Carvey. Oh, you son of a. <laughs> as Pistachio disguises himself as Quint from Jaws to fool a couple of henchmen. Love, Michael P.S. Warren. P.S. The Master of Disguise is a superhero movie. Pistachio has a superpower, a weakness, and an arch nemesis. I hate that I don't know if that's true or not Same. about the Quint, but damn it, was that believable. I bought every second of it, <laughs> so I don't know what to do with that information. I still don't want to talk about that movie. We might have to sooner rather than later. I mean, it's come up a lot recently. Uh-huh. So, Next up, we have an email from Cubicle Monkey. Hi, Cubicle Monkey! He says, Cubicle Monkey here. I just wanted to say, fantastic work. I have updated my donation on Patreon for the upcoming charity drive in October. However, in light of recent comments made in the podcast, my attorneys have advised me that to state (laughs) that my donation is not an endorsement of the following misdemeanors and felonies. Oh, no. All right. One, (laughs) statue vandalism slash insurance fraud. Two, desecrating a body with a starfish or other objects. (laughs) Three, Superman four. Legal note, the medical examiner could not rule out this movie as a possible cause of Christopher Reeve's death. Hashtag conspiracy. <laughs> Four, whatever poo-bearing Macaulay Culkin is. <laughs> That's a very good point. Uh, if you haven't listened to our Green Horn episode, maybe go back. <laughs> legal note, while this is a legally gray area, the general consensus was, ew. Hey, man, if you want to poo-bear Macaulay Culkin, you do it. If you don't, you go live your own life, all right? Five, murder. Yeah, it was a lot of murder talking that, wasn't it? was. <laughs> Six, Jaws 4. Legal note, criminal use of Sir Michael fucking Kane, but it did help buy him a house and helped make an NES game, so one could try and argue leniency to a judge in film court. It's very fair. Also, film court, need that in my life. <laughs> I'm going through old 90s movies, and I'm about to go watch Dark City again. Hell yes! I want to. That see- is on my Patreon list. High up, too, because it's an Alex Proyas movie. We're going to be talking about The Crow probably in October or November. It's coming up Alex soon, Proyas yeah. too. Dark City is so damn good. All right. I have not seen that. So he continues, I want to see if this is a good movie or a case of nostalgia glasses involving 16-year-old me, Jennifer Connelly, and, legal note, redacted. This is only legal in Alabama. <laughs> Also things I'm terrified of with Dark City, so that's perfect. He continues, I was banned from the sh- that Sharper Image store, but it was worth it. 
I get it, man. Sometimes you're you're standing there thinking about Dark City and Alex Price and Jennifer Conley and nostalgia glasses, and then sometimes you're singing Surrey with the fringe on top to Ira in a sharper image exactly. when Harry met Sally style. It happens. Thanks again and look forward to the next episode. Sarcastically, Cubicle Monkey. Legal advice provided by the law firm of Zias Giuliani and Amy Good Gorilla LLP. Their offices can be found somewhere around here. And there's a link to a Google Maps address, of course, for four seasons total landscaping. <laughs> Absolutely. Well Nailed done. it all around. Well done. Ah, uh, that's just, you earned this. Well played, sir. Oh, wow. And then our, our final email comes from Peter Jackson. The New Zealand man? That's, that's what it says. Okay. It's coming, it's coming from P. Tier Jackson. <laughs> okay. I think this one might be a personal attack. Why do you say that? Kia ora, fellas. A little birdie told me that your boy Brian was taking a piss on my 30-time Oscar-nominated 17-time Oscar-winning fantasy trilogy. That would be Lord of the Rings, yes? Yeah, nah, bugger that, mate. You'll waste your time watching Spawn and Kick-Ass 2, but can't muster the effort to review the most decorated movie in Academy history, you bloody Muppet. I love P-Tier so much. He's killing it. Guess you think you're safe because they never made a comic book out of it, eh? Guess again, bro. In 1979, an Italian publisher released a series of Lord of the Rings licensed by Tolkien Enterprises and illustrated by Spanish artist Luis Bermejo. And then there's a link to prove it. Oh, fantastic. I love whenever there's evidence. The books were published through Europe, but never made it to the States. And just for good measure, indie publisher Eclipse Comics published a three-issue series in 1989 called The Hobbit, an illustrated edition of the fantasy classic. But even I'll admit those films are proper shit. (laughs) Okay, P-Tier. You should see the vacation homes they built, though. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like it's time to update Roger's list, eh? I think he's right. Ta, PJ. Thank you, PJ. We very much appreciate you writing in. The email address is kingkongjackie1 at gmail.com. You made a burner? <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for writing in, P-Tier, Jackson. Uh, we will get to reviewing the Hudson Hawk also. I know you're a big fan. <laughs> uh, me thinks you think you know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> Add it to the list! Begrudgingly. And I will have to pray that I seriously have to piss off Roger Ebert for it to come up. Got to start complimenting him then. Yeah, Good luck. it's going to happen. I'm going to have to start defending him when you start talking about his jaw. What jaw? But I'm... Oh, too soon. <laughs> See? I already started. I need those karma points. <laughs> Lord of the Rings! Fellowship of the Ring has been added to the Ebert list. Thank you guys for your emails. Um, if you have any other questions, you can also... Go to our Facebook page where every episode we put up a post and say, hey, if you have any questions or comments about this, leave them here. We got a few this week. Phil Hawkins, who also happens to like Hudson Hawk, he wrote in and he asked, (laughs) Paul Verhoeven or David Cronenberg? Ooh. I'm going Verhoeven again because I think that Total Recall is fucking great. Yeah, Total Recall is great. So is Basic Instinct. And Starship Troopers. And Starship Troopers. The guy's got a list. I love it. He's got a list of the of the 90s movies. He sure does. Cronenberg's a good list, too. But Cronenberg's got a great list, but I think I'm also going for Hoven. Jeff Miners wrote, Famous director Paul Verhoeven has made some pretty well-known films of the year. Oh, we could use this list. To name a few, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers. He also managed to direct a film where Kevin Bacon showed his bacon in Hollow Man. That's right. My question for you is more important. 
Hamburgers or hot dogs? Hamburgers. I usually lean hamburgers, but if I get a good tasty hot dog, man, like a well-placed hot dog where you're like, kind of a hot dog right now. You yeah. get one? Like, oh, did Peter Weller just shoot this off somebody? This is delicious. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I found this under the memorabilia from movies in the <laughs> eBay section, this hot dog. Somebody made it into a necklace, which I thought was weird, but it's still delicious. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're both team hamburger here. Say. <laughs> Unless it was shot off. Now, if you'd asked me chili dog or cheeseburger, I might have had We'd to have, have a discussion. conversation there. Last one I have. The spoiler master himself, Micah, wants to know, <laughs> have either of you seen the porn parody Robocock? If not, what are you waiting for? No, that, that's Dave's department, not mine. <laughs> it does exist. It came out in 2012. There's also a sequel in 2014. Oh. And the tagline is, the fucking machine. Yeah. That's it. That could be the tagline for the actual <laughs> movie. It really could be. Also, Robocock. Two hours, ten minutes long? Wait, longer than the actual movie? That is absurd. I love it. I don't have the time to commit to it, though. It does star Blue Angel, Bambi, Abby Cat, and Euphrat. Oh, so, yeah. Enjoy, everybody. The hit list Robocock. right there. That's... <laughs> Got them all. Everybody, thank you so much for writing in. Thank you so much for sticking with us throughout this absolutely incredible movie. Yeah. Head over to Patreon. I can't state it enough. Every dollar is for the kids. It's all going to a great cause. We're going to give you as much content as we possibly can in order to try to warrant your donation. Exactly. That's our goal. Yeah. Brian, have you got anything else? No, I do not. Fantastic. Next week, Brian's birthday, we're going to be talking about Mallrats. Same pod time. Same pod foreskin. Same pod foreskin.